Hey everyone, this is Erica Lucas, your host and founding member of VEST, an organization connecting women across industries, regions, and career levels, so that together we can expedite the pipeline of more women in positions of power and influence. Welcome to another episode of the Vester Podcast, where we explore the invisible barriers holding women back in the workplace and share stories of women building power collectively. For some reason, I'm biased against the word burnout. I don't like it because I feel like it makes us feel like we should be able to do more, but we can't do more. And that's why I kind of prefer the uh, term emotional fatigue, because I think that really gets into what we're feeling. Women account for almost all of the job losses since the COVID-19 pandemic started and are nearly twice as likely as men to lose their jobs post-pandemic. Women of color experience even higher rates of unemployment and discrimination. In a recent study, Newsweek reported how the pandemic could cost a typical woman in America almost $600,000 in lifetime income. To make things worse, according to McKinsey, more than half of women who remain in the workplace are experiencing burnout. One in four women are considering downshifting their career or dropping out of the workforce entirely. For working mothers, particularly those with young children, the number is one in three. So what do we do about it? As public leaders and CEOs take a closer look at policy and infrastructure needs to better support women in the workplace, we reached out to our friend and executive coach, Jem Frum, to help us now. How can we self-assess burnout? What questions should we be asking ourselves? And what can we do to get back to being the best version of ourselves, not the most? This coaching session was recorded in May as part of a more intimate discussion with best members and has been repurposed to accommodate this episode. Jen, why don't you like the word burnout? For some reason, I'm biased against the word burnout. I don't like it because I feel like it makes us feel like we should be able to do more, but we can't do more. And that's why I kind of prefer the uh, term emotional fatigue, because I think that really gets into what we're feeling. In fact, um, just yesterday, I was applying for forgiveness for my first PPP loan because that's been a weight over my shoulder, right? Or over me, like hanging over me. And um, I re- I, when I, I had to put the origination date of the loan and it was actually a year ago. And I just got to thinking about, I remembered how that felt um, at that time, like getting that uh, note that, that my funding had gone through and the relief that I felt with that. And I, I just couldn't help but think about all of the emotions that I have felt during that and since then. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, there was so much fear and confusion. And I remember feeling a lot of resentment when my clients started dropping uh, because unfortunately I'm a very easy line item to cut in the budget. (laughs) You know, development and coaching tends to be one of those things that people cut right away. And um, a lot of desperation on my part and scrambling Uh, because of a lot of fear and a lot of other things. I went into some coping skills that were unhealthy. I was eating a lot. I was drinking a lot. 
Um, and a lot of shame came with that. And I, I spent a lot of time like feeling like what I saw as my own inability to cope. Um, there was a lot of sorrow I felt from watching how um, our world dealt with racial injustices. Um, there was a little bit of hope that came in later in the year when business started coming back and started returning, but then that led me to overcommitting and overextending myself because I was out there just desperately grabbing business whenever it came my way. And, and then just this series of ups and downs and, and ups and downs. And it leads me to kind of where I am today, which if I'm gonna be fully vulnerable and honest with you guys, uh, is a little numb. I, I think I'm a little numb. I, I think I've, it's just that sense of emotional fatigue. I mean, I'm not, maybe not the poster child for it, but I'm darn close. I could wear the crown and the sash. I just, that's how I'm feeling. And I know I'm not alone because I coach and work with leaders. And even though circumstances may be different, we're all feeling it because we have all been in long-term crisis and we are all tired. What I wanna remind us of is that we're not so tired um, that we can't remember what it was like to not be tired. And we have been through it and it's been a lot, but we're not so far gone that we can't get back. And that's what I wanna talk to you about today is how can we get back to that place where where not everything is necessarily easy, but where we are consistently able to tap into the better parts and the best parts of us. Um, even when all of our circumstances around us are kind of trapping us in patterns of mediocrity, how do we get back to the best version of ourselves? And that's what we want to spend time on today. 100%. Jen, why are you so passionate about this specific topic? It's clearly not because I have it all figured out because I just shared with you, I'm struggling. We're all struggling, but I've had a business now for uh, 20 years that helps people uh, tap into their best and not just their most. In fact, that's the tagline of my business is I work with companies to help them get the best out of people and not just the most. And if we're honest, most of our jobs are designed to get the most out of people and not the best. Every job description I've ever read has a line item that says other duties as assigned. And so, and I get it, I know why we do that. But um, in fact, once we tap into the best, it usually includes a lot of the good things about most. And because I've had this business, I've spent, I've had the opportunity to spend a lot of time studying things like emotional intelligence and empathy uh, and resilience and self-awareness and all of the things that I believe will move us back to that healthy best um, place. You know, one of the things that happens when we're in prolonged crisis is we go into survival mode and survival mode is rarely a version of us at our best. What do you think about those statistics that I mentioned earlier regarding burnout in the workplace, particularly as it relates to us women? When I look at those statistics, like job demands increasing and work life getting worse and, and trying to balance things. And when I know myself and I know women, I know that that means we've been in most mode. You know, we have been in this mode of plugging the holes and shoring up the foundation and holding back the waters. And we've been doing that because we've had to do that. You know, I always, when I get in that place, I'm always like most mode engaged. That's how I feel like, all right, it may not be my best, 
but by God, I'm going to get it done. And that's really how it's been. And I want you to hear me very clearly about this. You will never hear me say that you were wrong for being in most mode. You will never hear me say that you should have done this differently, that you should have handled the pandemic differently, that you should have handled this crisis in a different way because you did what you had to do and I did what I had to do. And by God, we are still here. And so we are here now. It doesn't really matter what we had to do to get here, but we are here. But how can we then rally and get back to that best living? Because if we don't, most can become a habit. I've seen it. And that was b way before the pandemic. I can see how people get in that most mode and they stay in it, right? Right. Uh, so very true. But sometimes it's just, it, it's just, we're not aware of it, right? We don't know that it's happening uh, to us. Uh, we don't know why we feel detached. So how can we do a self-assessment. I mean, how do we know that we're experiencing burnout? How can, how can, what questions do we need to be asking ourselves? I want you to think about you when you are at your best. Maybe you can think about a situation when you're at your best. Like for me, um, an example would be when I was, um, I used to do a long distance um, endurance events. So the first time I trained for a full length Ironman, I was at my best in those moments, in those few months. And so I could think about that situation or, or, um, you know, when I'm with my family and we're just like being ourselves and being ridiculous and telling stories, like I can, I'm at my best in those moments. So think about those kind of things. What are five words that describe you when you're at your best? And, or what would other people, how would they describe you when you're at your best? I'll share mine too. I, when I'm at my best, I'm definitely compassionate. Um, someone says optimistic. Oh, Erica's got all five of hers in here. Passionate, fun, loving, caring, energized, passionate, energized. I'm going to put uh, one of mine in here, determined. Uh, what else? Other people fun and determined, proactive, creative, intentional, intelligent, compassion, loving, and healthy. Oh, I love you so much already. I want to be, I want to be friends with all of you. Courageous. Oh, I love Amy. I love that. Amy, come off of mute for a minute. Amy Curran. Let me see you. And are you, is your camera on? There you are. Amy, tell me about courageous. Um, I think much more willing to take risks than I am right now. I'm finding myself holding back on opportunities because I don't have the energy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Love that. I, I love that, that I, that I love that you shared that because I think that that helps me identify in myself a similar thing um, of, and I, I, I would, I don't know that I would have described it as courageous, but now that you've said that, I see that. Yeah. Love that. Um, glowing. I love that. Empathetic and happy. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Super. Now, uh, I want you to think about you when you're at your most, when you are redlining it, when you are go, 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 you know, GSD, get stuff done. Uh, and when you are just on your way and like, I always think like pedal all the way to the ground, what would be the words that would describe you when you're at your most? 
I will, I already thought about this so I can go first. I will say I'm definitely, I don't want to say self-absorbed, but I'm going to say self-focused. Um, for, for, for me, for sure, when I'm at my most, I'm more focused on myself than other people. I'm also a little bit, um, oh, I would, I don't know what to say, like less compassionate. Maybe I'm the opposite of all my other words, but I'm, I'm more like uh, less empathetic, uh, cynical, survivalist, negative, frazzled, short-tempered. Yeah. Tired and irritable. Irritable. That was Heather. Heather, you're saying when you're at your most, it backs up on you, it sounds like. Would that be correct? The spread too thin. Yeah. Ah, spread too thin. Whiny, <laughs> overwhelmed and annoyed. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, Michelle, overly direct. Hmm. So that tells me that reading those words means that uh, you maybe don't, you're kind of like me, less compassionate maybe when you're in most mode. Would that be correct? Yeah. Maybe rude might also come, come <laughs> to mind, but I don't intentionally mean it that way. So I frequently am like recouching something I've said or written which takes more time. And then, you know, most. I have to tell you, I admire the reframe of rude into overly direct. I think that is brilliant. Like I was watching hoarders the other night. I love watching um, shows where people are do like crazy things so that I can feel like I'm, you know, I can like look at that and be like, well, at least I'm not, you know, keeping 17 tubs of whatever cat poop in the house. So, um, but on the hoarder show, the, uh, the counselor said, tell me, how long have you had a problem with excessive accumulation? <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a, that's a very soft way of saying hoarding. So I love the overly direct versus, versus rude. And we got cranky, unaware, detached. Yep, yep, yep. As your just part-time short-term coach here, I have to ask the question, which have you been more of lately? And I don't want to suggest that you've only been in most mode, but if I'm being honest, um, that's probably been where I've been because like we said, we've been in crisis. It's interesting, you know, whenever I'm working with leaders, uh, one of the things I'll have them do is um, think of, like think of a really hard problem that you're currently facing that you would love to solve. Like what, it could be personal. It doesn't have to be business, but what's a problem you're currently, like for me, a, a current problem I'm facing is how do I get this excess weight off? It seems to be, it seems to not be going anywhere. I put it on during the pandemic, but it ain't going anywhere. And so I keep like restarting every day and it's just not working. So that's a problem I'm facing, right? So what for you is a problem, a hard problem you're facing that you would love to solve? Another one I'm facing is I'm currently in some conflict with my sister and we, it seems like we're a little bit stuck in that. So I'm just putting my sister's name down here too. So those are my two problems I'd love to solve. Now, look at that list of words that you had of you at your best. And my question to you is, is there any part of you at your best or characteristic or quality that you have at your best that could help you solve that problem. Like for me, it's, you know, when I wrote down me at my best, one of the things I put down was compassionate. 
And it just makes me realize right here in this moment with you being fully vulnerable, I haven't been very compassionate with myself. I've been pretty judgy. I've thrown myself down the shame spiral nearly daily. And I think, you know, if, if I could bring, if I could bring my best self to the table and invite her to sit down here and look at this problem with me, I bet, I bet what she would say is completely different than what I've been saying. It's a good, um, method of coaching when you can coach yourself to bring your best self to the table. I'll yeah. share, um, simply because I'm guessing I'm not the only person that wakes up every morning with full blown anxiety and is trying to figure out how to get rid of that. I get to work and I unwind and I'm fine, but I wake up just in a spiral every day. Yeah. Yep. And how could, what were the words that describe you when you're at your best? <laughs> Things that can fix it. <laughs> um, I put, you know, being outside, being active, undistracted, motivated, purposeful. And, I, and I've already taken steps to try to address it. I think one of the big things for me is being purposeful and having a plan and being intentional about what I do instead of letting my circumstances control me. Um, when I do that, I tend to feel like I've got a lot better control over that part of my life. Yeah. I love that. You know, as your coach in this moment, I would say, sit down with a blank piece of paper and write at the top problem, waking up with anxiety, solution, being planful, and then see what comes. Because I, I bet you, I bet you there's something in there. Um, you know, best version Liz has a lot to bring to that, I believe, if, if we can just invite her to the table. So, and, you know, have her solve this for us. I, I bet there's some really cool stuff in there that she has for us. So thank you for sharing that. I'll share. I put turning off work mode. Um, this work at home thing has made it very challenging to uh, shift. And I think the word that I picked was the word courageous. If I would just take the risk to turn it off and realize that the balls aren't all going to fall, that would probably help. Now, if I will do that, we will see. I love that so much because you don't, you've already, you already know that you have that characteristic. You already know you're courageous. She's just, she's just been, she's just been on a break for a while, the courageous Amy. So we're going to bring her back. And I love that, like tapping into that part of it rather than every day saying, oh, I've got to figure out how to turn off the work mode, blah, 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 blah. Now you can say the, the courageous part of myself is going to go ahead and do that. I just love that. Thank you. This, it's a great technique to solve problems is to let your best self help you with that. All right, Jen. So let's say that we've been operating at our most self and we want to get back to our best self. How do we get back to that? Here's some ways to get back to your best self when you've been in most mode. Um, number one is to know your purpose or to remind yourself of your purpose. And by your purpose, I mean, why are you here? Why are you here on this call? Why are you here at work? Why are you here on this earth? Uh, do you know why you're here? Do you know what you do for whom and why? Figuring that out. Another way is to align your life with your values. Have you identified your values? Do you know what they are? Are they in order? And are you living your life in alignment with those? Most of us have gotten out of that during survival mode. And it's understandable and no one is judging you for it. However, 
Let's get our life back in line with our values. Managing your energy versus managing your time, um, understanding where your energy comes from and what takes it away and managing that. Giving daily intention towards being your best self, whether that's a meditative practice that you engage in, whether it's getting up every morning and uh, looking at a post-it note that has those five words on it, whatever it is, daily intention towards your best. And then um, as always, whenever we have to, uh, typically, I have found whenever we have to get back to ourselves, there's something that we have held on to that we need to let go of. So understanding and identifying what are the things, even sometimes the good things in our lives that we need to bring to an end so that there's room, so that there's room for our best self. And today, what I want us to focus on is this manage your energy, because I have found that this is kind of the I don't know, it's kind of a quick start for, for getting back to our best self. So um, that's what I want to talk about. And in order to do that, I have a guest that I'm bringing, that I brought along to help teach this concept. And this is my piggy bank. This, now this pig has been with me since I was about 14 years old. I'll try to give a close up. It was given to me by my mother who misunderstood my aesthetic even then because that is, that is not my bag, baby. But I have kept this pig my whole life and I love this pig. And I went to grab this pig today and I picked it up and it's pretty heavy. Like, it's like a nice healthy pig. And so you guys tell me, this is not a trick question, why is this pig heavy right now? I'll give you a sound effect. Why do you think this pig is heavy? There's coins in there. Yeah, very good. Yes, see, they're, just shout them out when you know them. Yep, because there's coins in here. Now, about a month ago, I went to pick up my pig because every now and then I like to pick him up and shake him. And I about threw him across the room because there was only a, like one solitary like slug in the bottom. It wasn't even a penny. It was like some sort of weird thing. And the reason why it was so light was because Steve, my husband, had taken pig to the coin star and emptied them out. So lots of coins, heavy pig. Not a lot of coins, light pig. This should not be a difficult concept, right? That we, and look, here's a pig we have to show you. And if coins go in, then it gets heavier. If coins come out, then he gets lighter. Another way to think about that is deposits, right? Deposits make the pig heavier and withdrawals make the pig lighter. And if there's too many withdrawals and not enough deposits, we get into an IO, well, IO pig situation where, you know, the pig can be totally busted. Thankfully, my pig has a hole in the bottom, so I don't have to break him open every time. But we can get in kind of an overdraft situation. We're all businesswomen. We get it. I mean, hopefully. I, I hope this is not a new concept to you, that you need to have more money in the account than you take out. But that's that makes sense to us financially, right? But let's say, let me put pig down. Let's say instead of thinking about it in terms of money, we think about it, we just put a little lightning bolt on the side of our pig here, and we think about it in terms of energy. Now think of this as our energy pig. Same concept applies, right? Deposits go in, there are things we do that give us energy, and there are things we do that take energy. 
taking energy is not necessarily a bad thing, just like spending money is not a bad thing. I like to spend money. I just have to make sure that I don't spend too much money without adding money into the bank account. I just have to make sure I don't let my energy drain without adding deposits. Now, this is not coins that goes into our energy account. Instead of coins, it's things like activities and mindsets and habits and people that are deposits for us and activities, mindsets, habits, and people that are withdrawals. These are the things, activities, mindsets, habits, and people that we can control. Unfortunately, with our energy, we can't control all the withdrawals. And the pandemic and the results of the pandemic have been a major energy drain on us. I want you to hear that. You are not less capable than you were. It's there's been a major drain to your energy, but there are things we can control. And your number one job is to keep your pig heavy, keep your pig fat and happy, or at least not, you know, don't starve your pig. That's the best and the quickest and the easiest sometimes way to get back to our best self is to rebalance and to manage our energy. So an amazing exercise for you to do is to think about what are the activities, mindsets, habits, and people that give me energy? And I wanna up those, right? And then what are the activities, mindsets, habits, and people that take energy? And I wanna decrease those. Not all of them, right? It's not all about just shutting down the withdrawals because like I said, just because something takes energy doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but it's about keeping that in balance. All right, but how do you know what gives you energy versus what drains your energy? What are some activities or even people that give you energy? Uh, in fact, who, who was talking earlier? Liz, when you said uh, getting outside, right? You said that was something that gives you, basically you said gives you energy. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, I find when I get away from, for lack of a better term, all the concrete and can get outside and just remember that everything is really bigger than me and my problems that I have <laughs> are so insignificant. Um, I find that brings me a lot of calm and peace, you know, whether it's, you know, going to a cabin for a weekend or even just going on a bike ride at a park with family for sure. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I love it like in terms of um, focusing, it's like a change of perspective sometimes. And that's a beautiful example of a mindset. Um, it's, it's hard for people sometimes to identify the mindsets that give or take energy or the habits that give or take energy, but that's a great example of it is that um, a habit of, um, of zooming out is what I call it. Like, you know, we don't have to zoom in on everything. Like I, even when I was going through my a lot of stress about my business early in the pandemic, I kept saying, you know, it, it will be okay. Like people will come back. Like, it's not like people are like, well, we never need coaching anymore. Like, they'll come back. If, if we can stay, if we can last, you know, they'll come back. And that's part of what helps. So a, a short-term step to getting back to yourself is increasing these things. Getting back to your best self is increasing these. The, the tricky thing is that a lot of these things also, they have a net deposit effect, but they take energy too. You know what I'm saying? Like working out for me, 
the net effect is definitely a deposit. But getting my fat ass to the gym, that is, I'm telling you, that takes so much mental energy for me. And the thing about energy that you may or may not know is that we only have one bucket of energy. Like we don't get a separate bucket, like one for going to the gym and then a different one for dealing with work and a different one for dealing with spouses. Like we don't get different buckets. We have one bucket. So if we deplete that energy bucket at work, then we don't have the energy for things like connecting with people that we love and taking care of ourselves. We don't get separate buckets of energy. That's why we have to be so intentional about managing it. What do we need to be more conscious of and, or what are we not paying attention to? A few of the mindsets and habits that I've seen lately that have been major withdrawals, that, that they seem to be spiking lately. And I'm not doing this because I'm lecturing you. I'm not doing this because I think you're sucking at life. I'm, I'm showing you these things so you can recognize them, that these are mindsets that take energy because these are things you can change a mindset. You can change like that. You can change your mindset like that. And so if I show you these things, please know that it's not me, um, you know, saying you're not doing good stuff. I'm just saying that these are some of the things that are draining your pig, some habits and mindsets that might be draining your pig. And the first one is a habit of being in judgment. So one of the things that has happened with the pandemic and the fact that the pandemic happened and then, um, the racial injustices happened and then the political uh, cycle happened is that we have put people into categories. I'll just talk very directly about this. We have put people into categories of blue and red, of anti and for, of um, all the different categories that we've done. And I understand why we do that, um, but we've become so divided that we've become very comfortable than with judging other groups of people. All I want you to know is that having a judgmental attitude where you believe that your group of people or you are right and other people or other groups of people are wrong is uh, actively choosing to stay in a state of unrest. And a mental state of unrest will always drain your energy. I challenge you to challenge your judgments. The next mindset or habit that we can get into is the habit of comparison. This is really bad, ladies. It's really bad with women. I don't know why. I don't know why men got off the hook on this. They didn't totally, but we seem to be, this is more difficult for us. And, uh, you know, we put ourselves in these, um, these unhealthy competitions, we hold our life up to somebody else's life and we say that one is better than the other or we hold just one tiny aspect of our life up against one tiny aspect of someone else's life and we say, you know, they're better than I am. Um, comparison is the thief of joy and it is the thief of energy. Don't spend one more minute comparing yourself or your life or your business or who you are at your core to someone else. It's not worth it and it's draining your energy and you can do other things with that energy. The third one is the habit of sarcasm. 
And I get it. You're so good at it because you're so clever. I understand. Like it's fun and it feels really good sometimes. But, you know, sarcasm is is couching or hiding um, sometimes some hurtful comments inside of a joke. Um, and it just stop doing it. it. It's a habit that that um, is not helping you get brave enough, have the courage to say what you feel and what's on your mind, stand up for yourself rather than pushing others down. Others don't have to be small, you know, for you to be big. And then the last one is staying in conflict with someone, whether they know it or not. Um, a lot of times we continue to stay in a state of conflict with other people because we are unwilling to have the difficult conversation. Um, and a lot of times we do that without the other person's knowledge. And uh, it's good for them for you to talk to them, but it's even better for you. So comparison and sarcasm and judgment and staying in conflict, these are all methods not of self-care, but of self-harm. Um, and if, they if they're left unchecked, they're gonna drain your pig. We could also add other mindsets in there of like overthinking and victimhood and a mindset of scarcity or a savior mentality. These are all things that are, you may never have thought of it, but they're real energy drains for us. And then we can look at these and then say the opposite of those then are deposits, right? If, if judgment is a drain, then what's the opposite of judgment? Acceptance, empathy, open-mindedness, grace, you got it, compassion, right? A mindset of compassion, a mindset of acceptance, a mindset of grace, love that word, Constance, those mindsets are actually, they will give you energy. Not only will they not drain it, but then they will add energy. What's the opposite of comparison? Acceptance, absolutely. Self-love, thank you. Self-assuredness, love it. Gratitude is another one. Instead of comparing your life to someone else's, be grateful. Um, confidence. Um, oh, Liz has a good question here. What happens when we get into compassion fatigue? Liz, come off of, of the mic. Thank you for speaking up. And um, I, I assume what you're saying is that, yeah, compassion is great and everything. However, is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, I just feel like that's a, a thing I've talked to so many other people about because we've, especially in positions of leadership over the last year, we've really, at least I feel like in many that I've talked to, have borne a larger burden of compassion and trying to keep our people employed trying to, you know, be flexible with school situations and childcare situations. And, and at some point it's like, I'm, I'm tired of being yeah. nice and helping everybody else. And somebody looked at me one day and said, you have compassion fatigue. And I'm like, well, how do I fix that? Like at some point it, it, that's really tough. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, you're absolutely right. And um, that's, that's a skinny pig situation, right? That's a situation where your pig has gotten skinny. Maybe not because of compassion though. It's possible that if your pig uh, was fat and happy, you would have the compassion to give. So when I look at that, I say, um, how do we up your deposits then? How do we get you back in a, you're in an overdraft situation. So we have to do some emergency stuff here. So maybe for a while we cut out the helping of other people. Maybe for a while we cut out the, all the things we're doing that 
you know, that are, we, we think are compassion driven, maybe we cut some of that out in order to raise up the deposits or the balance a little bit so that we can get back into, because I bet part of your best self is compassionate, right? Like that's part of what describes you when you're at your best. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? Is that a, a good answer? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, again, it goes back to being intentional and purposeful about, you know, what you're allowing to take that time and that energy. It does. And I love whoever was that said to you, you, that you have compassion fatigue, because I, I, I think it's important to recognize in ourselves when we have to slow down the withdrawals, you know, when we have to slow down the energy giving and we have to increase the energy, uh, taking. And that part of that too, is getting better at asking for help. You know, one of the things, the skills that, that the pandemic is teaching me is to ask for help and actually accept it. Um, you know, and I, I, uh, with my family, I've had to say, I need you to take over this and don't let me take it back. I mean, like, like those kind of things that I've never had to do before. And then of course, the opposite of staying in conflict is truth telling, right? Being in a habit and a mindset of telling the truth with compassion, with love, right? Read Radical Candor if you haven't. It's a great book. I haven't read it, but I did look at the jacket cover and it was amazing. So like, there's really good stuff in there about telling the truth and doing it in a compassionate way. I don't really have a question, but I like the truth telling part about as a way of addressing sarcasm, because I think instead of telling the truth, I just say something sort of sarcastic. Um, so I don't know, that really stands out for me. Yeah. Well, and a courageous Amy will tell the truth. I think, you know, that's like being, being courageous is part of that, like leaning into that courage. How would you approach a workplace that I guess doesn't acknowledge like the burnout that's happened this past year? So I joined an organization at the very beginning of the pandemic and I definitely feel like my performance has suffered and that, you know, I, I find myself thinking I don't have this feedback and I've like mentioned this in sessions before, but I find myself thinking that my boss must be like, why did I hire this girl? Because I am not meeting the expectation that I think he had when he hired me. Um, so how do I like bring up, like, I don't feel like myself and I don't feel like I'm, you know, giving you my best, but that's also just a result of everything that's happened this year that's out of anyone's control. So let me, before I say what I'm going to say, let me say that I believe that, that you know the situation better than any of us do, right? Because you're in it. So I'm going to, suggest something, but you have to run it through your filters of does that make sense? I like talking in terms of intention when I'm addressing those kind of things. Like it's my intention to be this kind of employee. What I'm finding is that because of the impact of these things going on in my life, I'm not able to meet those intentions at the level that I want to be able to. And I'd like to have a conversation about that. That is how I would start that conversation. If you have that kind of relationship with uh, your boss that you can, or with your manager that you could have that conversation. That's, that's how I would open that up. And then I would let it lie, Casey. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fill in. I would just say, I want to have a conversation about that. And then let that other person take the lead because 
you know, I want to be a little bit savvy here, right? I don't want to go into my boss and say, well, I'm really, you know, I'm really sucking lately and and have my boss go, I didn't notice and be like, oh, well, never mind. You know, like I, I want to kind of be truthful, but at the same time, be a little savvy in that. So maybe that's how I'd approach it. I think you got to be authentic though. I think it would probably make you feel a lot better to have that conversation. I, I mean, I encourage you to, you know, live... Live your most authentic life. Someone says something about authenticity. Look at that. Uh, living authentic, authentic, authentically, sorry, is powerful. And I, I agree that. I agree with that, that there's power in that. So that's what I would do. Vicki, you have a suggestion? Um, well, maybe more of an observation, but it feels like Liz is on the other side of what Casey just described. So like Liz as the employer is having employees that are feeling like Casey and she's been working with them. So maybe there's an opportunity here to see the other side of the coin. Like um, as employers, I think sometimes employees don't understand the burden that we carry. And when we, when we get into that, what you called our most self, and we start to say, we start to be a little too direct and we start to lose that compassion because we have to make sure that all the payroll is getting made and we have to pay the rent and pay the utilities. And, uh, and if I don't get if these employees aren't performing, you know, I don't have time for that. Um, so it's a frustrating element to the boss. Um, and maybe that's why you're feeling like not compassionate from them. So maybe this is an insight to both sides um, mm. that we're all human and we all have to deal with it, whether we're the employer or the employee um, in whatever role of, of that, you know, we have to figure out. And that's why the difficult conversation is important. And, and I think it's important, just like as parents, that we tell our kids when we make mistakes or when we're feeling vulnerable, or, or it's the same thing with employees. We have to be honest with them to say, you know what, I get it that you're having a hard time, but I'm having a hard time too. Um, and just let that conversation happen as well. We have one more member that wants to share. I, I've had a really hard time with boundaries over the last year of, um, so, so many people need help and support right now and to just give and give and give. And I am opposite of what Liz was saying. I go to bed at night with that anxiety. And if I don't spend an extra hour getting my stuff together and feel unprepared, like I have a purpose in the morning, then I don't sleep well at night. So now I haven't had boundaries all day from giving, 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 giving to everybody. Now I'm going to spend an extra hour or two at night away from my family, getting my plan together for tomorrow, and then start the whole cycle all over again every day. I, um, you know, I, I, I can think of all the cliches, right? Put your own oxygen mask on first. And it's not, you know, and this is a survival. Self-care is a necessity. It's not a luxury and all that kind of thing. And I think what makes it so hard is that never before have we all gone through the same thing at once, right? Like imagine if, if we all lost a parent on the same day, like you just don't have it available for other people if you're experiencing it yourself. But I, you know, as your coach for the next three minutes, I will say like, it is so important for you to, I'm going to say it, you've got to cut off some of those withdrawals. You have, you have to, you have to, you, and it's, um, you know, I, 
one of the things I do is take people up Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa and we do life lessons and coaching along the way and all kinds of stuff. And one of the years when we were climbing, I got incredibly sick on the mountain on the first day. It's a seven day climb. I got terribly sick, so sick that I had to be evacuated off the mountain the next morning. And um, there I am. I'm the leader. I'm in, you know, and I'm supposed to like, I'm supposed to be the one encouraging everybody else and be like, you can do this. And I'm like, deuces, I got to go to the hospital. And so I send everybody off with, with the guides. And one of the guides stayed with me and I'm sitting on a rock on the side of the mountain in Tanzania, Africa. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I wonder where they're going to land the helicopter. Cause this looks like a really weird area. I wonder what, you know, or, or maybe there's a, a Jeep path somewhere that I'm unaware of that they're going to come up and pick me up. And right about then was when my guide picked up his pack and he put it on his back and he picked up my pack and he put it on his front and he goes, well, we go. And that's when I realized that I was the evacuation plan, <laughs> that it was my legs and my boots hiking off that mountain. And that's how we got, that's how I was going to get help. And I, I don't want to put more burden on you, but it's like, sometimes, you know, and it wasn't pretty. I fell down. I pooped my pants. I stumbled. I mean, it was not pretty coming off that mountain, but I did what I had to do and I to in order to take care of myself. And sometimes, you know, constant, I think you've got to do what you have to do, even sometimes at the sacrifice or what seems like the sacrifice of other people, because you are your own evacuation plan. You are your own savior in this situation. And I don't say that. I don't say that lightly. Cause I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but that best self, that part of you is still there. She's still there. She's just a little tired, but she's still there. And I believe that if we just keep putting one boot in front of the other, right? The solutions will come to us as long as we are taking care of ourselves. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast for future episodes. You can also join the conversation by becoming a BEST member. Go to www.vester.co and apply today.